0: Welcome to another edition to Jazz 101. I'm your host, Tom Galker, and we have an interview with Walter Beasley. Walter Beasley is a superstar in the smooth jazz field, and he's also an exceptional vocalist. Walter has a new album out called Black Streams, and we'll be sampling tunes from that along with some other greatest hits. Walter Beasley, welcome to Jazz 101.
1: My pleasure. How you doing, man?
0: It's good to have you. I really, really appreciate it. It's awesome. Today, uh, I know one of your albums is called "I'm Back." Like you've mm-hmm. been back, but you've been working hard. Thought we would just start at the 2010 and kind of work in through some of the the tracks that you the albums that you had and the tracks that you have.
1: Sounds good.
0: Yeah, we want to start off with uh, "Back at You," which is a uh, 2010. The the leadoff song is "Lovely Day."
1: Actually, "Lovely Day" is probably the most uh, my it's probably the most popular underground song that I've ever done. By that, meaning that it never was released as a single, but so many people have enjoyed my rendition of it that you know everywhere I go to play, almost you know throughout the country, that it's requested. I think the I think my reverence for Bill Withers and his ability in, as a songwriter and as, as a storyteller. I think comes through on that, on my interpretation of it. And the incredible production and arrangement of Big Dog Davis, Chris Davis, who produces for Phil Perry, Mesa League, Incognito, uh, Will Downing, uh, just that combination of things made that song, what it, what, you know, uh, what it is, and what it was and what it is, and, and the lyrics. Just, you know, when you go through some things and you realize how important it is to wake up and to feel grateful about the day, and if you're just even more lucky, even luckier to have somebody uh, who you wake up and you can look at to say, you know what, and this, you know, this is the reason why. It's just, you know, it, it's just a wonderful thing. And, and I was able to put all those elements together to create something that I think I will 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 be appreciated for a long period of time.
0: Are you being asked to do a lot of vocal work with other people? No.
1: Kind of the the, <laughs> the interesting thing of this thing is is that I, you know, I do well. On my con- on the concerts that I put, you know I, I put on for myself and my promoters you know call me and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of times the singers in in my genre uh, don't call me to do much because you know especially if we're on the, the same bill I'm going to be singing too. Yeah. So you know um, it kind of it's it's a blessing and it's not so much of a blessing at times, but it 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 allows me to 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 really look at music from a, a full circle. You know from a pers- perspective of of a full circle. In other words. You know, if I were, I have this philosophy, you know, if I were to play and I could, if, if I were to sing, if I'm playing saxophone, i say, well, if, I'm, if I was going to sing, what would I sing? And I play that on saxophone. And if I'm singing, I, sometimes I'll say, well, if I'm playing saxophone, what note would I choose? So it's just an interesting, uh, conceptually, it's an interesting way of, of dealing with art, and, uh, dealing with my expression. And it's really come in handy in my career. But um, I think I, I don't, I've never done a session on anybody else's record I just love doing it uh, singing on my records because it it offers me another approach to expression and, and or another vehicle another tool
0: yeah I agree you know I'm a fan of yours and I'm also on the Facebook pages and I notice you're really interactive you're really working communicating with your fan base how is working on on Facebook and and all the interactive medias right now how's that working for for your career
1: Well, social media, um, for me, is a way to let people who appreciate my expression uh, to know, you know, first and foremost, you know, when I have something new that's being released. Uh, But it also uh, enables them to see what makes me tick. It lets them know, um, you know, that I have the same trials and tribulations as everyone else. And this is what I use to kind of help me get through them. And, you know, you can use them too. So it kind of connects me with them in a different kind of way. I, uh, one person once told me a long time ago, he said, well, you're the kind of star that people can connect to and, and, and touch. And I've all, and I thought about that for a long time. And what Facebook and Instagram, um, Twitter um, have enabled me to do is to kind of just keep it what they want the young folks to keep it real. So that you know, if I if I'm going through some, I'm 55 years old. We, we discussed it briefly um, before the call. That you know, I mean, you know, I had stents put in my heart uh, at 53 years old, and I was walking around here close to death and didn't even know it. Wow. So that whole experience, I want people to know because I want them to know that look, if this, if you start feeling chest pain, if you start feeling any kind of shortness of breath, you start feeling anything whatsoever go get checked because this is you know we only music is one thing playing the saxophone is one thing singing is one thing but life is a precious gift and we only got one time as we know or as we think or we, you know one time around at this life so you know why not do the best we can to preserve it or just take care of ourselves and anything that i can do to help somebody you know uh, enjoy themselves enjoy their family and you know enjoy my music or whatever for a longer period of time i'm down with
0: uh, I am glad that you're doing well, and what a gift! I, I'm sure you're feeling a lot better. With your web presence, that you, you do you do a lot of, of students online, or they are they coming to you, or do you have like a fan base that just wants to talk to you, or how does both. that? Both,
1: both. I have a, um, a subscription website called WalterBeasleyLessons.com, and I do behind-the-scenes uh, um, talking, and I actually have lessons on there, video lessons about improvisation. Uh, my philosophy, on, you know, as it really as it deals with, um, you know, musicianship, my career, you know, how I play as a saxophonist and here's what you can do or here's what you can learn uh, in the way that I learned it to help you express yourself kind of the way that I did. Because um, I believe as, a, as I taught at Berkeley College of Music for 32 years and I believe that um, the the one thing that I became good at was teaching people how to practice mm-hmm. or what I did. To practice and how i practice to be you know to be successful and that's one thing i want to impart um you know the older i get the more i want the more my my goals tend to change and i want to leave the music industry uh with something because when it found me um i was in one way but when when i when i found music and 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 when i when i was able to express myself through music and feel the joy and the the total uh release in music that's something that i want to be a part of in in, in helping the next generation um, be better than I, do better than I've done and, and be better at it than I was or, or, or am. And that's what I use WalterBeasleyLessons.com to, to do, um, to, to, you know, to, to basically be the vehicle by which you can be the next Walter Beasley or be better than Walter Beasley, hopefully. <laughs> my sales have increased because of social media and my interaction with people, I think, because they just didn't know what I was doing. You yeah. know, I mean, you you, got you, and you have to, I won't say fight for their their attention, but you have to let people know that you care about them just like they care about you, enough to to, to sacrifice and pay that $10, $20 for your expression. And that's what I like about social media. The rest of the stuff, you know, I don't really pay much attention to. But this is a way for me to say, you know, to my students, potential students and students and my potential fans or, or fans, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm learning. Come, you know, come and join the journey with me. <laughs> that's that's what it's about.
0: If you just tuned in, my name's Tom Galker. I am your host for the evening, and this is Jazz 101. On the phone this evening, we have Walter Beasley. Walter Beasley is an icon, smooth jazz saxophone player. Your second release was in 2010. It was live in the group, so you had two albums coming out that yeah. one year. We are gonna play "Be Thankful for What You Got," which I believe was from the originally from "Ready for Love" album. It is yeah. a phenomenal version. I'm sure this is something that people request on a regular basis too.
1: Yes, most definitely. Be thankful. I grew up in a town called Central California, and that's one of the first songs that I remember. You know, in the first thing that we we had a Volkswagen. I remember when I think when it came out, and there were people you know in the area who had you know nice big cars and stuff like that. They you know they did you know I mean they, they were just people with bigger things. Yeah. And I remember when um, when Be Thankful came out, and it talked about you know. You don't have to drive a big Cadillac, uh, none of that kind of stuff, to, to 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 be grateful for what it is you have at that one very moment. And I think at the time I started getting into the law of attraction, but um, when it talked about being in the moment, it talks about you know taking a break and 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 realizing that everything that you ever need is right there within you right now. Always. That, yes, exactly. So you know when and then I remember "Be Thankful" as the song that would kind of even as a kid reminded me of that, and that's when I decided to redo it. And uh, I did them on, on a uh, yeah, like you said, the record. What did you say the record was? Ready for love. Ready for love. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then I did it live, and it, it, it's it's like one of my most popular uh, requests. And I, I think it still is the, one of the best messages I've ever heard in life.
0: Uh, this is a question I I debated about asking you. Is uh, you got you got Gerald Beasley, you got Walter Beasley. It's like <laughs> it's like Janet and Michael. You never see them in the same room together. What? <laughs> What, what is the relationship? Have you ever worked with this gentleman?
1: Yes. <laughs> we, you know, I, and I'm going to tell you the true story. In the beginning, I know that we didn't like each other mm-hmm. because we were both on major labels and we were playing. Not, I wouldn't say we didn't like each other, but we would go into record stores and people had us so confused that I would go to my record bin and, and look for Walter Beasley and that would be Gerald Beasley in my slot. And I would go to Gerald Beasley's slot, and there'd be Walter Beasley records in his. And I said, the same thing God, it has to be happening to him. Yeah. So I, we would go all over the country experiencing this, experiencing this. And we had never met. So we we just happened to be on the same bill in Las Vegas. And I had already made up my mind, I'm not going to like this guy. <laughs> because he's always in my band you know, taking my money and all this kind of stuff. But he probably was feeling kind of a little bit the same way. Man, we got to Las Vegas, and we looked at each other. I said, you Beasley? He said, yeah, you Beasley? He said, yeah. Man, we just fell out laughing. Did this happen to you? Did this happen to you? And we just became very, very close right then and there. And and he is probably one of the best friends that I have in the genre. We call ourselves cousins, we're so close now. <laughs> so yeah. uh Beasley Beasley, the whole thing. And he has a bass boot camp that I attend. I started playing bass about five years ago after the loss of of, of a bass of the bassist of my band. Uh-huh. Um, I go to the bass boot camp every year and I support a scholarship for one member. Um, to go uh, and learn, no matter what their uh, uh, level of facility is, uh, every year. So we become very, very, very close. I support him. He supports me. We're playing together. I sing, well, I've done his, his in Philadelphia. He has a club there that he uh, play that he uh, uh, brings an artist. And I've, I've, I've been there three times. I'll be there again probably in September. So we're very, very close. But it did start out kind of rocky because you know if one letter uh, separates our name, and people would always give it. We would I tell you a funny stuff. We were. We had played together in Wisconsin, and we were sitting down at the same table signing autographs. A person comes up and says, uh, "Walter, I saw you last night and you were hitting on all cylinders." And Gerald said, "No, that wasn't me. That was Walter sitting next to me." And the guy said, "No, it was you. I know I saw you, Walter, last night. You're not telling the truth." And we were sitting there looking at each other. This man wanted to tell Gerald <laughs> that he was really me. It was a funny. I mean, it had to be, but it was the funniest thing. We were just sitting there. How are we gonna handle this one? So. It was uh, it, it 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 crashes up now, but at the same time it just you know it was interesting how it first uh, started. And our name is so cool. And that's there's another guy named John Beasley, actually, who's a keyboard player who's very nice too. So you know, it's all love. And you know, if I help somebody sell some records to make some money, I'm I'm good with it. And uh,
0: 2013, you released two recordings. You got live at the club, must play the uh, Mr. Magic Go Go style. Um, what is your relationship with go-go music? Because you know, in DC, it's it's everything.
1: Yes, sir. Um, my career—I had a song called "Don't Say Goodbye" in 1986 that was actually the beginning of my career. It was a vocal song, and BET played it. And I'm not going to go into the, the uh, you know long of it, but um, it became a quite popular. It became quite popular in Washington, D.C. So I've been going to Washington, D.C. to play at least two or three times a year since 1986, 1987. And one thing that I always respected about the city was, you know, it had its own music, you know? And I'm like, what? And then, you know, go, go, go. And then when I looked at and looked and examined the history of go-go and I, and I I talked to some of the people who played with the architects of go-go and they were telling me that that Chuck Brown um, actually had the idea or or formulated this whole concept behind the song, Mr. Magic, that Grover Washington had done uh, originally. And, and that was the beginning of the movement. So it was kind of really strange because I had never heard Mr. Magic done the go-go form, but apparently they do it all the time in Washington, D.C., but nobody had ever recorded it. So I said, well, let's just do it, man. So I used the, my musicians, three, uh, three out of four uh, uh, musicians in my quartet are from Washington, D.C. Okay. So we were playing, I don't know, what were we playing? We might have, I don't know if we were playing at Scullers in Boston, or we might have been playing Birchman. I don't know where it was. But we played it, and man, from the beginning, when they locked into that go-go beat and we just started playing Mr. Magic, it just locked. And, and it's it, again, that's one of the ones, well, especially when I go to North Carolina and Washington, D.C., that people request that, that version of Mr. Magic all the time.
0: You know, I'm a big fan of uh, what Paul Hardcastle did with the Chill Lounge. And, right. and and this jazz meditation falls right into it. Um, I picked out a song that I wanted to play for us.
1: Man, look, um, I was playing in New Bedford, Massachusetts. And all I remember is I saw this woman. And I just felt I, I was a grown man. And I must have been my 40s. And I followed her all over the, I mean, I was trying to do the Walter Beasley, I'm cool thing. But every time she, every time she walked by me, I just, man, I lost it. So I followed her around, I followed her around. And it got, it got to be so bad. I said, man, am I really, am I stalking her or something? Because I really, I wasn't, you know, I'm a stranger in somebody else's land. So, you know, you don't even go, you know, uh, make yourself too known. So I just remember following her around and then. Then it got to a point where I could feel where she was in the room. And I just said, Man, her presence is so strong and I said, You know what? I gotta write a song about this. That's a great song. And that's when I wrote her presence and uh, we were able to hook up a couple of times. We went on a couple of dates, but that song that song is for her.
0: And she got a uh, song out of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. man.
1: But <laughs> it was good.
0: It was it was okay. It was worth two yeah, dates, sir. you said? Or more than two dates. Yeah, about two dates. Two and days
1: things kinda, you know, went downhill after that. Well,
0: hey, you know? The I'm back was the first single off this album. It's phenomenal, and we're gonna we're gonna listen to that song. by the title I'm back?
1: Uh, well, that was the first record that I did after the stint. Um, I had the stints put in in two twenty fourteen. I had to take some time off, and then you know, when you go through a situation like that, you have to reassess. Well, I had to reassess everything. You know, playing the saxophone is a very physically demanding uh, situation, especially the way I play. So you know, you become your head becomes part of the whole mix too so you, you know you're saying do you really want to play as hard as you've been playing did, did that contribute to the heart problems that you know uh, so many things happen you know and, and your mind takes over after your heart has been fixed it was about maybe three weeks in a friend of mine uh, a former uh, student sent me and i know i bought a machine so a machine meaning like a, a machine maker yeah so i was doing beats and i was horrible at it so I, I sent my little bass line to a former student who I knew was a producer or whatever. He came back with this track. And as soon as I was able to play, I picked up and I just started going, Da-da, I was like, well, I'm back. And that's when I named it. I'm back. And I did a whole record. And that's when I said, you know, this is what I was born to do. Let me ride this pony until so she can't gallop anymore. And that's it. So I, I, I just named the whole record. I'm back. And I had a pretty good. That was the number one record for me at Billboard uh, Smooth Jazz.
0: Well, groove jazz music it's funny yeah. because you you were coming off of a health scare but that album cover made you look really healthy and and uh you know uh, very young looking so I yeah. mean yeah <laughs> it was a really I good out al- it was a good picture
1: <laughs> I lost 30 pounds um, um, doctor said after you gotta lose the weight you gotta you know get yourself together I lost the weight you know 30 pounds off and and uh you know uh, and it, more importantly you um, I started to change my life. I started to change the way I looked at things and started to put things in proper perspective and lost the weight instead of, you know, eating to satisfy something I ate to because I was ate because I was hungry. And, and I started dealing with things that made me a little bit uncomfortable rather than, you know, uh, feel that uncomfortability with food. So, um, you know, you make those changes and you start feeling better about your life.
0: Definitely. And you have definitely a lot more energy. My second song from this album that I really enjoy is Hard Work. Who, who wrote this originally?
1: Well, it was originally recorded by a saxophonist named John Handy. And John Handy, in my opinion, was one of the most underrated saxophonists ever. I mean, this man could play his behind off. And I remember that was the first instrumental song that I heard um other than the earth one and fire song i forget um but that was the first inter- instrumental song i heard where where it lit the party up where, well once we heard it dun, 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 man you got up on the dance floor and started dancing and you know it and, and nothing was just hard work and boom people just started, oh yeah and i was wondering i was like what makes this song so special and for me, it's, it's the, the song Hard Work is a cross between gospel music, or the church music, and jazz. It's a cross, you know, and, and you can, you don't really know whether to dance to it or shout to it. And then when it says hard work, hard work says, oh my goodness, yeah, i, you know, I don't put in a, a, a long day's work. It's time for me to get up on my feet and just shake this away. So it, it, it had all kinds of different components in it. And the only thing that it said was hard work and your imagination was able to take it into any direction that you wanted to take it, whether it be praise or whether it be like just grateful to be away from the job or I'm getting to be, you know, at the club. It's just, that was the first time I had ever experienced that with a strictly with a, a song that was strictly an instrumental song.
0: Yeah. And it, I mean, it, and you really put the funk back into it. It's very funky. What, what does living for today mean? And, and uh, why is it so good?
1: <laughs> um, I think it, I think it, that I, I was honest with that one. I, Again, you know, when when I got into sax meditations, I got into the, the, the you know concept of now. The concept of now is an important thing and all that kind of stuff. But when you go through a crisis, you know, you're, it's not a, it's not an academic exercise. And well, you know, um, it, it it becomes reality. I mean, you have two choices: either you can lay down and take it, or you can fight to 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 to, to have a better tomorrow. That's right. And living for today um, simply meant that you know, I had started understanding that today was the only thing I was promised, not even the whole day, just, you know, the next breath. So when I started to kind of um, revolve, uh, make my life revolve around that concept, you know, and I remember putting the chords together and just, you know, it's like, yeah, man, don't even make this any more complicated than it needs to be. Just go ahead and sing it, play it, let the bridge take care of itself, and then be done with it. And that's, that's, Basically
0: what happened. Yeah, it, it's something about that song. Maybe it's the message or the, I mean, it's just, it's a phenomenal piece of work and, and it, it definitely it resonates. Um, I was just listening to the album. I kept on coming back to that one. So that's my number one on the whole album. have a new single called don't say a word it's already up the charts mm-hmm. what what's the up with the title What what's the message for this album
1: well I, 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 I like i said i quit my job and oh, i quit a job <laughs> i still i work harder now than i did before but only for me um at berkeley college of music and when i think about society today I just think that there's just so much going on. I think that, you know, people are, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're talking too much, we're thinking about too much. You know, when I listen to saxophones, a lot of saxophones play, they play so many notes. And the majority of them are not even necessary. And this is my humble opinion. You know, people disagree. Then I listen to singers sing all these crazy riffs, and, you know, there's really not a lot of movement, and, and you, you know, you can't move a person and just sing a lot of riffs. You know, you can be impressed by it. But it doesn't really change the way you think about things. It doesn't really, you know, move move you to think differently about your relationships, so on and so forth. Don't say a word when I when that I, I had bought a machine. I had quit uh, my machine, quit uh, my job, uh, one of my jobs at Berkeley, and I just said, you know what, I'm gonna, you know, I mean, it's, it's evolution, it's just you know, like living for today. It just means, you know, this is this is what I feel like today. I'm just gonna start doing this, and I'm gonna start making music that's that reflects exactly where I am. And what i think about society so on and so forth don't say a word if you listen to it when it comes out it just starts to pop boom it, it, you know what time kind of reminds me it's kind of like paul hardcastle the chill kind of vibe and not much going on but it allows your imagination just to run wild because it's not a whole lot in there it just feels good yes so when i put the saxophone on there and i said well you know let me i just you know I was messing around with you. i said yeah this, this feels really good let me just now go to a melody and go to a bridge and I said, wait a minute, man, no, this it's not needed. It's just, it feels good and it's right right now. There's no need to put anything in else in there. You're just going to be verbose and you're going to have people, you know, it's going to be your ego just dictating this song rather than the feeling of it. And that's why I said, don't add another part, don't play another note, and don't say a word. At 55 years old, I did a little bit of reflection in the, in my life and stuff, but I was born and raised, born. And, and spend the first six seven years of my life in a black neighborhood, and it, it was great. I mean, you heard R and B bumping from speakers. You know, you heard old school. You know, 50s. My father had, you know, uh, you know when he was away from my mother had, uh, uh, you know, uh, Red Fox and other things going on the A track. You know, that were just really nasty and just saucy or whatever. You know, so mm-hmm. it was a different kind of vibe. And then when I was about seven, I guess. We moved into a Hispanic neighborhood. And the same type of thing was happening, but only it was with Latin music. You know, Latin, Latin music, mambos and, and boletos uh, popping out of the trunks of cars and people dancing like that. So I, I was a product of all of that. And uh, right now, I mean, well, with Black Strings, what I just wanted to do was put together maybe a, five or six songs that just dealt with, just Groove and pocket. And and, and and the way things used to be, you know, just about the groove and not about the ego, but just about making people feel good about that. And that's what my environment is for me. And I want to bring people into that environment from other environments. You know what I mean? So, uh, and that's what Black Blackstreams is for me. it's it, it, it's 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 kind of like what I used to do in the 80s. And but it, but it, but it's inviting, you know. And the same at the, in the same you know in the same sentence, I'm trying to make sure that everybody understands that. You know, I have a great life. I've been through some things. I had, a, you know, great upbringing. This is, but it's. I am not, you know, the end-all be. All. I am not. I have a sense of humor. I'm not a great, 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 whatever. I don't view myself that way. I'm, I'm a part of, 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 a. I'm a part of a collective. I'm part of humanity. I'm part of, you know, that community. And this is how it sounds. Boom. That's it.
0: Everyone, please keep your eyes open for Black Streams by Walter Beasley. It's out in stores soon. If you like Jazz 101, please contact W-E-A-A-F-M and let them know you want to hear some more of it. Remember that W-E-A-A is the source for cool jazz and more. It's the voice of the community. My name's Tom Galker. You're listening to Jazz 101, and thank you for listening.